the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The prayer book lectionary leads us into the epistle and gospel lessons for Mass this morning through the lens of the Old Testament book of Hosea, which tells the story of Israel's repeated departures from the covenant made with God at Mount Sinai. As God reveals through the prophet Hosea, this covenant was meant to be like a marriage, and thus God regarded Israel's disobedience as a kind of adultery. Hosea's poetry is full of God's accusations, as well as God's fatherly lament that these infidelities must now bring ruin and exile to his beloved people. But the poetry of Hosea ends with a revelation that God himself will heal them of all their self-inflicted wounds of infidelity and hypocrisy. The image of this healing is that God will make them like a great tree with a vast canopy around which would gather all the nations of the earth, a tree that would nourish and heal all peoples who came to it and make them to look up to the God of heaven. Quote, I will be like the dew to Israel. He shall grow like the lily and lengthen his roots like Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be like an olive tree and his fragrance like Lebanon. Those who dwell under his shadow shall return. They shall be revived like grain and grow like a vine. Their scent shall be like the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do with idols anymore? I have heard and observed him. I am like a green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. The image of the great life-giving tree goes back all the way to Genesis. After creating all things, God set apart in the midst of the, the unformed or the uncultivated landscape, the Garden of Eden, in the middle of which was the tree of life, whose fruit would give eternal life to all who ate of it. The tree of life was contrasted with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, whose forbidden fruit would bring death if it was eaten. The lesson from Adam and Eve's approach to these trees teaches us that the test of temptation at the forbidden tree must come before access to the tree of life would be granted. Through the failure of that test in the fall and humanity's rebellion, the way to the tree of life was sealed and access to it prevented. Later, after the exodus from Egypt, the tree of life appears again in the symbol of the great lampstand of the tabernacle. The great golden lampstand had the shape of a tree trunk, a thick tree trunk with small branch lamps branching out of it. And it was concealed, it was prevented from access in the holy place behind a thick curtain accessible only through great sacrifice and cleansing 
to restore righteousness to the one who entered. Both in the reality of the Garden of Eden and in the symbols of the tabernacle in the wilderness, the tree of life stands to be a blessing, a reminder of God's blessing and his provision on earth, and that the very life of God dwells among men. And yet, both also remain inaccessible after the fall, as an indictment against humanity's central rebellion against God, their grasping at what he would have freely and lovingly given. So it's a surprise for Hosea then, when Israel is made to hear what no nation under a charge of infidelity to God should expect to hear. That rather than the separation and death that are the natural produce of sin, God will give them and then will make them into the very thing that humanity had not known since its beginning. They are to receive, and then they are to become the tree of life. The fulfillment of Hosea's prophecy comes in the Maundy Thursday discourse recorded by St. John, during which Jesus identifies himself as this very life-giving tree. Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. What Jesus is saying is that he is the tree of life that we've been seeking since the beginning. Foretold to Hosea, the great tree of faithful Israel, now given to draw the nations in wonder to the God of Israel, to protect all who draw near under the shadow of his branches, and to nourish all by his righteous fruit. The apostles, as the branches, partake of the life of the tree, as natural extensions of the central trunk, and bear fruit insofar as they draw life from Jesus the tree, through obedience to his command to love God and one another after the manner that Jesus had loved them. The life of the tree, vine and branches, is the love of God. And so it is the community of the apostles with Christ at the center, giving them his life, reveals the heart of what the church is and how the world will again be drawn near to God. The destiny of those who draw near to Christ is to become engrafted into this true vine that is Christ and abide in him, to draw life from him so that we can become fruitful like him. And this is the image that informs the Christian life as articulated by St. Paul in his 
exhortation to holiness that we see in our epistle lesson from Romans this morning. Just before the epistle reading, he reminds the Roman Christians, quote, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This being in, this being joined to Christ, then culminates in the conclusion that we hear in our lesson this morning. Quote, What fruit did you even have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of all those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We bear fruit, according to St. Paul, of that to which we give our life. If we join ourselves to sin, we will bear the fruit of death. If we join ourselves to Christ, we will bear the fruit of life and life to the fullest. Unsurprisingly, then, Our collect today reflects this idea of God who is the great gardener. Today we pray in the collect that God would graft, that God would increase, that God would nourish, and that God would keep a love of his name in us, in our lives. These verbs teach us what it means for God to grow the new life that he has planted within us while we journey through the wilderness. God grafts because what we need does not naturally grow within us. We need God to plant it there. God increases because he is the Lord and the giver of all life and the energy that makes for all life. He knows how to trim the branches so that the fruit can grow properly and most fully. God nourishes because he knows what we really need in order to grow best and to thrive. And God keeps by warding off what comes to to destroy the life within us, pulling up weeds that we allow to grow in our souls and fighting off the beasts that would come to spoil the fruit. Our purpose as the gardens of God and as the trees of God is to grow and produce excellent fruit. St. Paul in the epistle says just this when he exhorts his readers to produce the fruit of righteousness that leads to eternal life, rather than the fruits of sin, which lead to death. It is only within this context that we understand best the feeding miracle of the gospel lesson that there are seven loaves that are available to feed the multitude is symbolic and significant, as seven always calls us back to that creation cycle, the seven perfect days of creation that culminate in God celebrating what he has made and the peace of God reigning on earth. The apostles bring seven loaves to Jesus, who blesses and increases them to feed the 4,000 
by the hand of those same apostles. What appears at first as scarcity by the hand of the Lord becomes abundance. What they have to offer to the crowd is not enough. But in the hands of the God who makes fruitful and multiplies, their little bit becomes more than enough. Seven loaves becomes the feeding of 4,000 and seven baskets of loaves left over. It is nourishment that abounds the more that it is given away. But this miracle and sign reveals the deeper pattern of our life in God. The provision of bread in the wilderness comes on the third day of the journey comes from Jesus, the true tree of life, through his apostles, the branches that abide in him. The provision of God comes to those who journey far to be with Christ, even in a desolate place. And he does this through those who have been made part of him, whom he has chosen to bear his fruit. We need to remember this, I think, seven weeks into Trinity. We need to be reminded of the true story behind the events of our lives, beneath the events of our lives, and the true destiny of our pilgrimage in this world. The journey of the Christian life is long, and we need the faith that the disciples on the plain who followed Jesus had. For those who followed Christ into the countryside left behind all the means to feed themselves. And this is the pretext of the great sign Jesus performs. It was not clear to them on the third day how their needs would be met and how their life would be sustained. And this is what the middle of all great journeys is like, the greatest of which being the Christian journey. But it is at that point that Jesus sees them, has compassion on them. Jesus made sure that they were fed. Our Lord will, at times, lead us into the desolate place. But he will always provide for us if we will keep our eyes on him and patiently trust him. The fruit of eternal life comes only from the tree of life, which is Christ. Genesis remains true. We only have eternal life as those who have eaten the fruit that Christ gives us through his branches. And eating this fruit makes the life of the tree to live in us, and so that we share in the bearing of that fruit ourselves. We understand this to be the heart of Eucharist. And we draw near in Eucharist today, understanding that like the feeding miracle of the gospel lesson, we are being fed of Christ by the hand of Christ this day. We are being fed the fruit of the tree of life and are becoming living branches of that tree. If we will open our lives to receive the fruit of the tree this day. We will sit with Christ 
on the plain with the 4,000. We will stand before the great lampstand in the holy place of the tabernacle. And we will walk back into the heart of the Garden of Eden to receive the life of God. For wherever Jesus is, even in the middle of the wilderness, that place becomes Eden. That place becomes a temple. That place becomes the meeting place with the God who gives us eternal life. May we who are nourished this day in communion with the tree of life become ourselves branches of that tree. So And so live in that true life we receive from him that when the harvest time is here and when the gardener comes to inspect us, we may say in the words of Hosea, I am like the green cypress tree. Your fruit is found in me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.